HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. This week on Meet and 3, we rethink surplus by exploring how innovators are promoting sharing mindsets and responding to excess in creative ways. The whole life cycle of food would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter behind China and the United States if it were a country. You know, in the age of COVID, where a lot of those institutional processors did grind to a halt and a lot of farms had to dump milk in Pennsylvania, even while supermarket cases were, were bare, the organic market stayed strong. They source all these ingredients, they do all of this work, and then they just boil it for a few minutes and then they throw it away. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. Chava, is is that a tamale? Are you eating a tamale? Uh, yes, Lou. While we're recording, you're eating a tamale? Well, yes, Lou. Because? Because we're recording an ad for Abasolo Whiskey, which is all about the corn, and I'm all about the corn too, so I'm pairing Abasolo with my favorite Mexican corn dishes. Mm. Yeah, oh, so, oh, do I see some sopas and some, some pozole? Mmm, you do. I'm very hungry, actually. And the best are these tortillas from Maíz de Cacao, where they handmake their tortillas from nixtamalized heritage maíz, which is the same way that Abasolo makes their whiskey. Okay, now you have to explain nixtamalization. Sure, that's going to be an easy one. Uh, actually, it's not. It's uh, very complicated. But in a nutshell, it's a 4,000 approx year old method for making corn more tasty and nutritious. You can use ash, lye, or cow to do the job. And by doing that, you'll uncover the deepest flavors of the ancestral corn. That sounds delicious, Chava. But do you realize that you're going to give Roy a headache fixing the sound so the final edit doesn't have you chewing throughout? I love you always mention Raw if he was everybody's best friend. Our poor sound engineer is sure going to have a headache, but we talked about <laughs> it. So as long as he gets half of the bottle of Ava Solo and a few of the tortillas, 
You know what? He's good with it. You know he loves the corn. He does. And who doesn't? Abasola whiskey is the whiskey for corn lovers. From the land that brought you tortillas and tamales comes a craft whiskey distilled from Nixtamalized ancestral corn. To learn more, visit abasolowhiskey.com. That's A-B-A-S-O-L-O, whiskey without an E, dot com, or go to agaveroadtrip.com and click the link in our homepage. Either way, you'll find your way to absolute corn heaven. I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. But today, Chava, we're going to jump in our truck and fly over the water to India. Come on, don't exaggerate, Lou. We just use the internet to talk to people there. I like to think of the internet as my truck, Chava. But, I mean, to be fair, though, we are reserving tickets to go to India as soon as we can, as soon as this epidemic is done, because we're spending there six months and you're taking your wife and your dogs with yourself, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so so we had uh, a couple of folks, Hansel and Arajit, knock on our door, our um, our virtual door, uh, a, few, a few months ago, um, because they saw on our feed, our Instagram feed, all of these pictures of heritage agave spirits being made. And what they saw in those pictures looked a lot to them like what they see every day in Goa when they visit the men. Are there any women? I'm going to say men and women, just in case. <laughs> I, I think they might have different rules. You know, I, I unfortunately, we are both not very well versed in Indian's uh, rural traditions. So I, I believe they have certain rules that are a little bit more complicated than the Mexican context. Okay. Well, we'll say uh, people, <laughs> The pic- our pictures of oh, heritage or- agave spirits being made looked a lot like their pictures of heritage fenny, sp- fenny spirits being made. Yeah, which, uh, like, have you ever had this spirit before? Have you ever seen it before we we were introduced to it by these guys? Never seen it, never heard of it, nothing, no one, never in my life. In fact, the closest thing to it, right? So so the closest thing I think I've seen to it is that stuff that I asked you to search out in the Philippines while you were there. Yeah, that's where I wanted to get to. Uh, when I was in the Philippines in Manila, I get the call from this crazy guy tell me that another crazy guy wanted to find Lambanog, which is a spirit made out of coconut sap. And I went into a whole trip trying to find it. It's a long, complicated story. <laughs> it involves uh, cockfights and getting lost in the middle of places where there was no public transportation available. But uh, that was my first introduction to, let's say, the Asian coconut spirits tradition, which uh, I think some people forget. Like, I, I do forget this. The, I remember there was like the Asian Olympics. Can't remember the name of it. Uh, (laughs) And I was surprised that Pakistan was there and India was there because, I don't know, like sometimes we forget that Pakistan and India are part of Asia. I don't know if that happens to you, but like they, they just seem so different to Japan in my mind. Yeah, you, yeah, I'm with you. Well, like anytime I go to a pan Asian restaurant uh, in the USA, you're not going to find Pakistani and Indian food. Like it's like exactly. we think we think Chinese, Japanese, Vietnamese, Thai, and then we like everything else is just sort of confused. So I, I think this is relevant because they have 
things that are, as you say, very similar to the agave spirits world, but they're, they're also fundamentally different. Because something that I love that Hansel explained to us is that we're used about thinking the merge of cultures between uh, America and Europe from the Columbus Exchange, right? Right. Like, we usually think, like, this thing traveled from the old continent to the new continent through the commercial routes established or started by Columbus. But then we forget that there were other routes. And one of those routes was the Portugal-India route. (laughs) And this work is really interesting because... uh, they do fanny from coconut sap, but seems like in Goa, that's extremely rare and extremely reserved for someone to do that. But the main ingredient they use is the cashew fruit. Yeah, did the cashew apple, that? I think they, they call it cashew apple, which is interesting to me because I never realized the cashews grew. It's not even inside. It's this weird, and we'll put pictures of it on uh, on the episode page, but it, it looks almost like a little finger or like a little penis growing out of an apple. <laughs> it does. It's a stem. It looks like a fat stem growing on the top of like a... a I, I like guess a, now everybody knows what both my fingers and my penis look like. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Okay, so it, it, it doesn't look natural. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, all the world, I shouldn't say all the world, certainly all the world that I've been to eats cashews. I have never seen these little cashew fruits, the cashew apples that are connected to them. Yeah, they look sort of like chile morron. Uh, I think you call those. But- <laughs> oh, that that clarifies for all of the gringo bartenders. They look like little apples. They look like tiny little apples. Yeah, just with like a, but like with a different type of flesh. I mean, I mean, they're beautiful looking things. And I and I'm surprised that I've never heard what they did with it. But it turns out these guys were smart. They saw a lot of sugar potentials in this fruit and started making alcohol, which is interesting because these fruits were imported from Brazil to Goa. Turns out in Brazil, they don't use this to make alcohol whatsoever. They just get the cashew. Right. And so somebody must be eating it, uh, right, in Brazil and in other places. Every other place that they're harvesting cashews, they're doing some, given that there's like this little nut that we eat, and then there's this big fruit, they're doing something with the fruit. Yeah, and it's a beautiful looking thing. And that, and I think like this is when a lot of the similarities with mezcal start happening uh, they come in very different shapes and colors, and they have very specific traditions in how they can collect them or not, right? Like, right. they were telling us that you can only collect them if they've fallen down the tree first. Yeah, they have to fall off the tree. They have to literally have left the tree um, before you can harvest them because they're not ready until then. They're not ripe. Yeah, and they have like all these crazy rules. And I think uh, Arjit did talk a little bit of one of the rules that has both you and I extremely confused. And I think it's a good moment to just like throw his quote in here, no? Sounds good to me. Chill. There are two explanations to that. When you come from outside and you come into Goa, right? Fanny is like when you go to Lisbon and they tell you to pick up pastel de nata, right? It's something that tourists pick up and take home. Nobody really drinks a lot of it or so we thought. But it is pretty much part of the Goan culture. And the way their GI works, till recently, you could only sell Fenny in Goa because they believed it's the only place that you can get the best taste out of it. Wow. Okay. So so first, um, we're going to have to jump to future Chava, who's going to give us both Arajit and Hansel's full names. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, future Chava can do that. No problem. Okay, hang on. <laughs> Here is future Chava properly introducing the two gentlemen that lend their Fenny wisdom for this episode. Hansel Bass, founder of Casulo Fenny, and Arjit Vosse, international bartender extraordinaire. Okay, thank you for that, future Chava. Now, now let's go quickly to the commercial, right? So that that our advertiser uh, gets uh, gets their share for what they're paying for. Their prime time, yes. The prime time, okay. This episode of Gave Road Trip is brought to you in part by Just Egg. Chef Jose Andres calls Just Egg mind-blowing and Bon Appetit says, it's so good I feel guilty eating it. What I say is, thank you Just Egg for giving me back the egg on burger experience. Several months into this pandemic, I had heart palpitations that led me to a cardiologist. My cardiologist, Steve, because the best cardiologists let you call them Steve, said I had to go on a vegan diet to get my cholesterol under control. Pairing Just Egg with a plant-based burger, it's like nothing has changed except my blood pressure so when i say agave road trip is brought to you in part by just egg what i mean is literally i am the part of agave road trip that is brought to you by just egg thank you just egg for saving my heart okay so now now chava let's go back to what arajit said right so arajit is telling us that not only is it just made like the the GI the geographic what would that be geographic indication yeah. right which is like a denomination of origin which is you know what mezcal is ruled by and what tequila is ruled by um, not only does it say where it can be made but it says where it can be sold yeah and I think he also said that that has changed lately but uh like. For a long time, they were only able to sell this in Goa because that was the place where people could understand the flavors. You had to be immersed in the culture to be able to understand the product. Well, hang on, hang on. Maybe I'm misunderstanding because <laughs> it's not that it can't be sold outside of Goa. It can't be sold in India outside of Goa. It could be shipped everywhere else around the world. Yeah, like that's where it gets confusing, right? Like, and he does say that it's a really weird thing, but uh, he speculates that the reason for this is what I said. Like, you need right. to be surrounded by the culture to get the correct appreciation for this. Well, this and this, and maybe this is like a complete dead end road, but maybe the theory is you can only truly appreciate it if you know the place. And hey, maybe some Goans left Goa and they went to to the USA. And so we're going to sell it to the USA, but there's no way a Goan would ever move to, I don't know, another, another part of India. Maybe. I mean, there was a lot of politics when we talked the first time with them. I don't know if you remember, but they even mentioned that Goa was still some sort of like administrative, like sort of a Hong Kong from Portugal, uh, <laughs> still like in the 60s, 70s. And a lot of people, their identities are more connected to their Brazilian Portuguese background than to their Indian backgrounds. So you're also talking an, about an extremely bizarre set of cultures there. And I'm sure like India does has does have that problems. Like it's such a massive country with so many cultures that it's sometimes difficult to in, in, integrate them. And that makes it also fascinating. And I think like, you know, you, you think about Mezcal and... 
you're thinking about the same ingredient. Like, I mean, you can distill pulque. And I, th- I think this is where the coconut sap version of any comes in play. But it's they're two different ingredients. They're two completely different ingredients. One thing is the cashew apple. And the other thing is coconut. And it's, it's, it's not like they're different species. They're absolutely right. Com- right. like completely different starting points. Right. And and yet they have ber- very similar ways of being processed or very similar traditions in how to process them and to make spirits. Right. Right. And, you know, it's boy, I think you and I, uh, this is this is such an interesting subject because I think you and I find different things fascinating about it. Because to me, the piece of it that I love, of course, is the process. And, and you know, just as it would be wrong to say that all mezcal is handmade in traditional ways, mm-hmm. uh, it, would, it would be wrong to say that all fenny is made, handmade in traditional ways. But when it is handmade, when it, when it is being made by somebody using pre-industrial methods, it looks very much like the pre-industrial methods in Mexico, which which gives me hope for our species, uh, this human species, Chava. Don't get too much hope, Lou, but the one thing that does give me hope... <laughs> no, I, I, like, I will say that some of their technologies are even more... like. Uh, um, Okay, I'll, I'm going to rephrase this because I was going to say something terrible. Like, some of the tools they use are so badass. They're so beautiful. The Their fermentation tanks are clay pots, massive clay pots that can take hundreds of liters. They claim they're paper thin. The ones that uh, Hansel are, is using specifically, they're vintage because they, he cannot find any artisans that do such massive pieces these days. And he was even telling us a wild story where <laughs> the people in the towns that specialize in making these pots marry the girl or the guy with the yeah. longest arms. So they are able to make such massive pieces. Like that's that's an end that they even select for different types of dirts that are specific for this type of pot that it's going to contain fermentation. Right, I the mean, that's dirt just to make wild clay. and beautiful. Like I, I want yeah. one of those like with... Like, well, yeah, but it, it's so badass to you because you've spent so much time immersed in rural Mexico seeing what is in rural Mexico. And I guarantee you, you take the men and women out of these towns in Goa and you bring them to Mexico. And I don't know what their phrase is for badass, but I'm guessing they would be saying the same thing. And 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 to me, the beauty of it is, again, and I've said this over and over again about these uh, agave spirits in rural Mexico, the beauty is that there are these communities and these families which have held on to these traditions even in the face of all of this technology being developed that would make their lives easier. They have held on to these processes because the result is better. Yeah, but then I will also say, and and I think I'm repeating myself in some way, but they also want to be the cooler kids in the block. The, cool, the coolest kids in their towns making the most delicious thing. And this is su- super specific, I guess, but they were explaining us that in their distillations, they take a lot of care because they're still solids. Where, like in agave spirits, you you or in artisanal or ancestral agave spirits, you throw the fibers inside the distillation, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the flavor that comes out of the first distillation can change if you use too much fire and you burn those fibers. And they were explaining to us that in Feni, 
there's a little bit of solids, both uh, because let's say the filtration, the extraction of the juices, it's not, they're, they're not using any very sophisticated filters. Guys standing uh, on rocks. Exactly, which is a beautiful image as well. Yeah. Crazy about it. Uh, if you, like, it's like when you get coconut uh, water, right? There's always like some few solids like swimming yeah, in sure. there. Yeah. And, but if you burn the solids, you drastically change the flavor profile. And what mm-hmm. Hansel was telling us that that in the communities, that burnt flavor is very badly seen. It's like if you burn milk or something that it's uh, terribly mm-hmm. offensive if you're making desserts. Uh, and that I think it's what makes them or that's motivation for keeping some of these ancestral or artisanal processes to get the flavor that is exactly the one you find beautiful. I, 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 I disagree. Shocker, right? So my disagreement with you is this. Um, if, if the only thing were the flavor to like avoid that burnt flavor, you'd use a more sophisticated process. Like they're, they're hanging on true onto these ways and developing their skills because that's the way you do it. And I, I'm saying this without ever having met them, anybody in Goa, right? But there's no way that you don't adopt the technology. If what you care about is, I want to make sure I avoid that specific burnt flavor of the wait, pieces wait, wait, wait. in there. But, but actually, okay, let me rephrase this a little bit. I'll say that's <laughs> one of the many things you're looking for. And what, what, I, what I've learned in the development of technologies for distillation, it's that it's extremely hard to understand what are all the things that are happening. It's like what you say all the time. It's like the 400 decisions that mm-hmm. mezcal people make. Mm-hmm. Uh if you want to map that and exactly replicate that using contemporary technology, that's super hard. That, that'll take like millions of dollars to map out. Right. So what usually happens is that the more technolo- uh, like technologically advanced version brings up a mediocre spirit because they were only able to map a little bit of it. And let's say, yeah, like the non-burnt flavor is not there, but everything else, it's also not there. So... I, th- I think it's an extremely complex combination of elements that are synthesized in the spirit when being made in an artisanal way that you will need to invest a crazy amount of money and you might not even be able to get there. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't matter how much money you throw in there. You might just not be able to get to that beautiful flavor. I think maybe we're saying the same thing then, Java. Um, I, I want to say yes, but I'll consider it while I sleep today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, for me, I think I think why they're doing it is the result, the end result is better, and that's why you don't integrate technology. They you, they do introduce some technology. They were say they were telling us they use this very sophisticated uh, clock to measure their distillation cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever smoked those little cigarettes? Like, do you know what they were talking about? These tiny cigarettes, these Indian no, cigarettes? No. They're they're very beautiful. They they come like in a cone. They're packaged like in a cone thing. You take them out and they're tiny cigarettes. And they were explaining us that the way they do their cuts, which they're not really cuts, but in their distillation cuts, it's how many cigarettes have they been smoking? So it's like six cigarettes, the heads or whatever. Okay. So to wrap this all, I don't even know how to wrap this all up, Java. I, I, I know how in the, in the same way we started, uh, we're traveling to India. We're, we're making, 
We're making Fanny Road Trip. So I think that's going to be a whole season. Uh, wait for it, guys. There you go. And we'll put all sorts of links on this episode page so that you can learn about Fanny. And hopefully, by the time we run this episode, you'll be able to drink it uh, somewhere in the USA. Drink, drink really the well-made stuff uh, as opposed to some of the industrial stuff that's already over here. Let's just hope for the best. Well, Lou, always a pleasure. Hasta pronto. Adios. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. A Gabby Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.